just so you know, we are talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Uh, we will just teach. We're going to teach on this because I want you to understand it. I do also want you to know that next week, Sunday night, it is next Sunday night, right? It is next Sunday night. Sunday night, we are having Sunday Night Live. That's what we're going to call it. Sunday Night Live. And uh, we have a special guest all the way from South Africa. He is an apostle that uh, Pastor Glenn has worked with down there. And, um, and we're excited to have Pastor Apostle John Vandekirk with us Sunday night and Monday night next week. If you can come, um, it's going to be a time. It's going to be a good time. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I'm reading uh, from the ESV. Scripture says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. I love that. He began to do and teach. Look at, listen to what it says next. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. See, it started off that he taught in person, and he just taught through the Holy Spirit. Um, Anyway, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Everyone say this is a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you have a regular Bible, go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read a couple of verses there. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I'm going to go to one more verse. I know you guys don't have it. Just bear with me for a moment. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. I'm reading this for a very specific reason. And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say that with me. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't sound like there's an option. If you want it, you can receive it. Um... Last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about the gospel experience, and today we got to see part of the gospel experience enacted. We talked about how repentance was death, and, and how burial 
is baptism. Well, today we're going to talk about the resurrection, the, the life, the resurrected life of Christ in the believer. And, and that is through the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of questions, a lot of questions around the room about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, do I get the Holy Spirit baptism at salvation? Or does it come after my faith slash salvation experience? That's one question. Another one is, does the spirit baptism always come with speaking in tongues? A third would be, if so, then why does the Bible talk about tongues as only one of nine charismatic gifts of the spirit? And then finally, what's the purpose of spirit baptism? So my hope is that today we'll be able to cover this. Um, we're covering a lot of ground, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time, but um, we're also going to not overload you. If I have to make this two parts, we will. So let's just rest. Let's pray, though, right now. In Jesus' name, right now, Lord God, we, we're, not here to, um, we're not here to make something out of nothing. We're here to find out what your word says. And I just pray for a spirit of revelation and understanding to flood this room. And bring understanding to us so we really grasp what you mean in, in the baptism of the Spirit and why it happens. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to go through these one after another. We're just going to cover the questions. So do I get the Holy Spirit baptism as salvation or does it come after my faith experience? So let's begin by stating the obvious here, okay? The disciples were saved, Anybody disagree with that? <laughs> I think we all pretty much are cool with the fact that the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ, when Jesus is going to the cross and, and then after the resurrection, the, the 11 that remained, because Judas hung himself, they're saved. Their faith is in Jesus. He's showing up to them after having raised from the dead. Um, these people have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And not only have they put their faith in him before, but then after he's crucified and raises again, now their faith is in the risen Lord. They're, they're as saved as they can be. But at the same time, we read now in John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, it says this. Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he said this. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we have to understand that this is after the resurrection. This is after the resurrection that Jesus blows on the disciples and brings the Holy Spirit to them. Okay? And, and this, at this point, do we believe that they received the Holy Spirit at that point? The answer is yes. I'll give you the cheat notes. The answer is yes. Because Jesus said it. I mean, Jesus telling like, Lazarus, come forth, you know, and he comes out of a tomb. When Jesus says something, it usually happened. And so he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. They received an impartation of the Spirit at that moment. But folks, this is the thing that's important. Did they receive the baptism of the Spirit at that moment? The answer is no. 
And the reason is because what we read above. In Acts chapter 1, remember it says that Jesus commanded them. He didn't ask them, didn't suggest it. He commands them to not leave Jerusalem until they be filled with power. And then he says, John the Baptist came and baptized you in water. But you're going to receive the baptism of the Spirit now. So their faith has been in Jesus. They are saved. They're about to turn the world upside down. But they've not yet received the baptism of the Spirit. There is a difference between believing and receiving salvation to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that, that is again established even further in Acts chapter 8. This is cool. If you read uh, about Philip's mission up to uh, Samaria, God's doing amazing things. He's like healing folks and all kinds of awesome stuff's happening. People are getting um, saved and delivered and baptized. But they missed something. Let's read there. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, continued with Peter, seeing the signs and great miracles performed. He was amazed. So the people of Samaria, they receive the message, they get saved, they get baptized, and then the miracles start happening. Just people are getting healed all over. God's doing all kinds of cool stuff. But all that this is true, but still, when you read this a little further, you find out they hadn't yet received the baptism of the Spirit. Verse 17 says this. says, when they, and that was meaning Peter and John, laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying out of hands of the apostles, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands can receive the Holy Spirit. What's important here is to understand that they were believers, and they were baptized. They had, they had put their faith in Jesus, but yet, even though they are saved— They had not yet received the baptism of the Spirit. And there's a lot of us who are in that position. When I was uh, a kid, I had an amazing repentance experience with God at about 10 years old. God, I mean, Jesus was just there, and he forgave me my sins, and I'm crying. and, and, And it was just, from that point forward, God was so real to me. I never doubted that God was real after that point. But... It wasn't until much later, in 14 years in fact, that I'm baptized. And then somebody told me that there was a promise that if we would be obedient to as far as we could go, that God would do and give us something that that only he could give. And that was the baptism of the Spirit. And at 25 years old, in in a church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, right about there, if we were to take the altar and everything and make it about the same, about right there, God just got me. And I was stubborn. I was like really stubborn. And um, 
Some of our other men can relate to this. Um, I like being in control. I like having everything together, you know. Um, and, and when you get baptized in the Spirit, you have to let God do it. You have to allow God to do it because God's a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He'll never do something you don't want him to do. He will never force himself on you. He always waits for permission from you before he does anything. And, and so I was very, very independent. And I had a hard time really giving that to God. But that night, about 12 of my friends all ganged up on me. And they prayed for me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that night after four months of seeking it. Every Sunday and every Wednesday. There's something that happens when you receive the baptism of the Spirit that's different than when you just put your faith in Jesus. That is not to negate the first part. It's your faith in Jesus that saves you. Understand that, okay? If anybody has not received the baptism of the Spirit, I'm not saying that you're not spiritual, and I'm not saying that you're not saved. But because you're saved, God gives you his Spirit. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty cool to the point that in the Bible, Simon the sorcerer is willing to pay money to be able to do it because it's pretty cool. When, when somebody gets the baptism of the Spirit, it's like, wow! You know, like I said a couple weeks ago, I have never met anybody who after getting baptized in the Holy Spirit said, oh, that was okay. You know, that, that, was, yeah, that, was, that was all right. I mean, it's like, wow! And you're like, you, you know, those are the guys that, that run laps around, tra- uh, around churches. And, um, you know, those are the ladies that dance their hair down. Because, because God transforms us in it. So does the baptism of the Spirit, second question. First question was, did you get a salvation? You got a part. You got the Holy Spirit like the, like the disciples breathed on you. You certainly received it, but that doesn't mean you were baptized. We're going to go on and unpack that because I don't have a lot of time to be able to spend on that one. But if you have questions, by the way, just so you all know too, if you have questions about this stuff, ask me. Not, not now. But ask me because I want you to understand it. I want you to see that this is Bible. This is not Pastor Dave's opinion. This is what the Word of God says. And, and honestly, folks, I was raised in a church that said that this didn't happen. I was raised in a church that even said this might be the devil. But then my Bible told me different. And so I knew I was okay. Trust your Bible, not your friends. So number two, does the spirit baptism always come with speaking in tongues? In our text, when we read Acts chapter 2, it does say that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, a lot of people think that that's the only place that that happened. And a lot of people will say, well, well, that was because it was the day of Pentecost and there were people from all over the world that were there to study and to celebrate, past, or, uh, to celebrate Pentecost. And so there was a need for all those languages to be able to preach the gospel to all those people from around the world. And that may be true. 
I don't disagree with that. But then if you look at the other occurrences in Scripture, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 2, and it says this, and he asked them, meaning Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So there's an expectation that if you're a believer, that you're going to receive the baptism of the Spirit. They answered and said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to, uh, to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Going now to Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. A couple things I want to pull out there. This is a gift. It's a gift. You don't have to um, beg for a gift. You know, my daughters, when I buy them something, I might mess around with them some. I tend to do this. Like, if I've got a plan on Friday night, because Friday night's date night, I will, like, say, we're going to do something fun on Friday night. And, and, and then they're like, well, what are we going to do, Dad? It's a surprise. But when Friday night comes, they get it, whatever it is. Because the, the intent of their father is to give them the gift that I have in store for them. And once we arrive at the place that I can give it to them, a night off together, they get it. And it's like that with God. This is a gift. Something you don't have to beg for. Something that you just have to receive. When someone goes to give you a gift, the one thing that might limit the ability for you to be able to receive it is if you put your hand out or not. If I go to offer you a gift and I want to give you my handkerchief, you might not want to put your hand out. Um, but if you put your hand out, I can put it in your hand and you can have whatever gift I'm going to give you. This is a gift that you don't have to work up. It's a gift that you just have to receive. But you receive it by just opening up your spirit and just allowing God to just come. Just let him come on, on in. And he'll He'll give you his gift. Now, the other thing I want you to notice is this. It says that Peter and those that were with him were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So that's verse 45. Now, verse 46 says this. For. What does for mean? It means because. It means this is the reason why they said the previous thing. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The sign biblically. There is one sign biblically that 
someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is that they speak in a language that they didn't grow up speaking and didn't learn in school. You know, for Mauricio, it won't be Spanish. For some of you, it won't be German or uh, Pennsylvania Dutch or any other number of languages. It won't be English unless you don't speak English. There's so many amazing stories, but I have a good friend. I have a very good friend. His name is Kevin Howard. He's a pastor in Houston, Texas. You can call him today if you want and confirm this story. Kevin was at a, a meeting with me, and um, he's, he's my brother. He's, he's very, very tight with me. And, um, and so he's praying in the corner, and at the time I knew he was going through some big decisions. He was trying to really find out what he was supposed to do next for his ministry. And, and God sent a brother up to him who's from Tennessee, phenomenal evangelist, and, and Danny Hood prays for Kevin. And he starts speaking in tongues, and Kevin starts just weeping. He's just, just bawling and crying. And, um, and afterward, he comes up. He comes up to me. He said, God just called me back to Brazil to be a missionary. He spoke through Danny, and he said, he said, he said, fear not, my son. I am sending you back to the land that you were birthed in. Because his parents have been missionaries in Brazil. And you're going to do a great work for me. And, and I'm going to raise you up and, and I'm going to transform the whole region through your ministry. So after he tells me this, he goes and finds Danny Hood. And he goes, he goes, Danny, he said, when you were praying over me, he said, when did you learn Portuguese? Where did you learn Portuguese? Did you, did you do, learn it in college? Danny Hood, you got to understand, is from Tennessee. He looks at him and goes, bro, I barely speak English. <laughs> God had used Danny praying in tongues in a, an earthly language that he never learned to speak directly to my brother, Kevin Howard. It is a language that you never learned in school. You never learned it in your house. It's a supernatural impartation of a language. That is the only response we see to the baptism of the Spirit in the Bible. Now, you may fall out. You may, you know, curl up in a ball and convulse. I don't know what's going to happen to you. Don't get scared. There's not many people that do that. <laughs> Usually, it's just, it's just it's, it depends on... on on just really your openness to God. He'll just come and gently just move and touch you and change your life. Just And what's cool is if you're like wild and crazy, if you're like, ah, you might receive the baptism of the Spirit like that. But if you're all like Sally, Sally's our secretary here, and she's just the quietest, sweetest thing. And, and I bet money that when she, uh, I meant that figuratively, by the way, um, I bet money that when she received the baptism of the Spirit, she probably received it real quiet and sweetly. Because God doesn't blow up your personality giving you the Holy Ghost. Don't be scared of what God's going to do. You say, oh man, what if, I, you know, what if I go crazy? Well, Ed Troy might go crazy if he gets the baptism of the Spirit. But, but that's because he's already there. <laughs> 
Don't worry about what it's going to be like. Just allow God to move on you. So the third question is, if so, meaning is, is, the, is the, is speaking in tongues automatically come as a response? If so, why does the Bible talk about tongues as only one nine gives to the Spirit? Now, I am going to just kind of hit this quickly. And um, do you guys have the references I have in the corners there? Oh, you're beautiful. So you have to understand that there's three kinds of tongues in the Bible. Okay, this is really important, so I need you to pay attention right now. There's three kinds of tongues in the Bible. There is the tongues you get when you are baptized in the Spirit. And that is everybody who receives the baptism of the Spirit speaks in tongues. So that's one kind. Then you have the gift of tongues. Now the gift of tongues is married to the gift of interpretation of tongues. It's a married gift. In other words, one doesn't happen without the other, at least not in the design of God. That's why there'll be times we'll be here and we'll be worshiping, and all of a sudden, usually it's Dr. Kenzie, we'll, we'll break into a tongue, and then we'll give a word from the Lord. Anyone ever hear that? For all of you who didn't know what that was, it's a direct prophecy from God, but the way that God announces that he's going to speak is by first lighting us up with a tongue, so we go, hey, there's a message coming. And for those of us who are really sensitive in the Spirit, usually you will know when God is going to do it. I think every time, except for maybe one, ten seconds before Dr. Kenzie breaks into a tongue, I know it's going to happen. I know somebody in the room, whether it's Dr. Kenzie or someone else, is going to have a tongue that's going to be interpreted. Because it's in the Spirit. But that's the gift of tongues. And that's married to the interpretation of tongues. That's talked about in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or verse, excuse me, chapter 14, verses 1 through 13. And then again, the same chapter, verses 20 through 25. If you want to understand tongues more, those are your two chapters. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You study those, you'll get tons of answers. And um, I'm just trying to pull that together right now. There's a third kind of tongue. And that is prayer in tongues. That is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through 15. If you can pull that up real quick, that would be great. It mentions, Paul's talking about tongues. And he's talking about tongues in a service. And he starts talking about that if, if we have a tongue, that it's, it's better to speak, you know, ten words in, in a known language than to speak a, a million words, basically, I'm paraphrasing, in, in an unknown tongue, unless there's an interpreter. But then he says this really interesting thing. Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. For all of you who think that you need the interpretation of what you're praying when you pray in tongues... That verse destroys that argument. Paul, the greatest apostle who ever lived, said, yeah, I don't understand what I'm praying, but I'm praying. 
in tongues. You following me? Um, can you go to that next verse? So what do I do? Or what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my understanding also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So the way that that works is we sing, we sing songs together in English, hopefully sometime soon some in Spanish. We'll sing, at least for those of us who know a little Spanish, we'll sing with understanding. The rest of you sing, your understanding will be fruitful. Uh, fruitless, be without, be unfruitful, because you'll be singing in a tongue effectively. But you're to pray with understanding in English or in your native language. But you're also supposed to pray without understanding through the tongue. Those are the three kinds of tongues in the Bible: the tongues that are at the receiving of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the tongues that are part of the gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit that come with the baptism of the Spirit, and then finally praying in tongues. Those are the three. So, that was a bunch of stuff. Are we okay? You guys doing all right? Okay, so, when you talk about the charismatic gifts, it's only one-third of what we're talking about in Scripture when we say tongues. It's the thing that most people think about because that's where Paul spends most of his time talking because he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12 and then he talks about it a lot in 1 Corinthians 14. But that's only one part. When you pray in tongues, that's a whole other part. When you receive the baptism of the Spirit, folks, that is a whole other part. And this is what I want to say. Pay attention to this. This is important. You may or may not be used in the gift of tongues and interpretation. I have been used in it once in 20 years. Okay? But everybody who receives the baptism of the Spirit, everybody responds biblically as speaking in tongues. There is a difference. And what's cool is after you get the baptism of the Spirit, Again, you may not have tongues of interpretation to prophesy to the church, but you will definitely have a prayer language that you can tap and pray. And that's where Paul talks about where he says that, you know, we, can, we pray that the Spirit makes intercession for us which gro- with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, you can't speak the words that the Spirit is going to speak through you. And for all of you here, I want, this is just a little caveat, but you've got to hear this. Are you all okay? Okay, follow me. If you have a prayer language, if you've received the baptism of the Spirit and you speak in tongues in prayer, understand this. The same Spirit that spoke the world into existence, by His spoken word, When you break into tongues and allow for God to take your voice and to speak through you, the same spirit that created everything that is, is speaking through you right then. There is creative power in praying in the spirit. And that is why, just so you know, 
I will tell you flat out, that is why the devil fights this teaching. Because he is scared to death of a church who gets a hold of who God is, gets a hold of this power in the spirit, and begins to speak God's words through their mouths to change their lives, their region, their territory, their nation, their world. He's scared to death of it. And so he fights you. He doesn't want you to pray in tongues. You go and pray in tongues. Oh, that sounds weird. Oh, what am I saying? Did I just make it up? Did you make it up last week before you got it? You just walk around, bum, you know, speaking words you never heard before just because it was fun? If so, we have an appointment soon. Come meet with me. God fills you. And he needs you to begin to speak it. There was a sister in here just about two months ago, and she was going through some stuff. And I said, honey, just walk around your house. You can be washing the dishes, washing the laundry, beating your child. I don't care what it is. Walk around the house speaking in tongues. Just walk around speaking in tongues. Because she was in a level of warfare that she needed to be able to speak creatively in the spirit all the time. And God gave it to her. But we get intimidated because we don't understand it. Well, neither did Paul. You're in good company. Use the gift. Let God do it. So this is the last point. And I think you guys all got an insert in your bulletin. You can take this home and you can study it out or whatever you want to do. But I want to talk to you about what is the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit. I just covered part of it. And I might just hit the highlights here because I don't want to keep you all day and we could go through a whole huge Bible study and stuff. But the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit, there's a ton of them. And I want you to understand this. The ones I gave you, that's the short list. That's just the highlights. God's Spirit is given to you. Number one, the minister. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. You're given the spirit to minister. You're given the spirit for power and witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit baptism is given to you to open the prophetic ministry to us, his people. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. He gives it to us for reaching the people for Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8 verse 31. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me. Philip had asked him, do you understand? Hear this. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He's reading a scripture about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And, and 
Philip comes up to him and says, do you understand it? And he says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. It is important to understand that the Spirit led him to that man. The Spirit led him to that, Philo- that Ethiopian eunuch. And God had that man right ready to be able to hear the gospel. Number five, to set people free. Ugh. Acts Chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You share in the ministry of Jesus through the Spirit of God. Number six, to put the law in our hearts, Jeremiah 31 and 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with those, with the house of of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Number seven, for intimacy with God, Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Number eight, to strengthen our inner man. Anyone need some strengthening in here? First Corinthians 14.4. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. John 14.26. But the helper, the comforter, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Number nine, to build your faith, Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Number 10, to provide leadership to us. Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Galatians 5.18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Number 11, and I'm getting close to being done. To give us a prayer language, 1 Corinthians 14.14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with, this, with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sp- sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. Romans eight twenty six through 27. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Number 12, to give us the promise of the Father. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And on one occasion when he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, 
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And number 13, to fulfill the fullness of the reason that Jesus came to die for us on the cross. John the Baptist said this about Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize with water for repentance, but he that's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you realize? I want you to hear me very clearly on this. And this is not to put us down. It's to, it's to bring us awareness. If you have not received the baptism of the Spirit, and you are saved, you only have part of what Jesus came to give you. The baptism of the Spirit part of Jesus' ministry, which he was never able to do on earth because if you read John chapter 7, verses 44 through 48 or so, it says that, that, that Jesus talks about out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. He says, of this he spoke of the Spirit, which had not yet been given, for he had not yet been glorified. It was not until the cross and the resurrection that the Holy Spirit could be given. So when John the Baptist said that Jesus was going to give the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was something he could never do on earth while being alive. It was something he could only do for his people after the resurrection, after the ascension. And so if you don't have the baptism of the Spirit, the good news is you can get it. When Peter preached on that day of Pentecost, and he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says this amazing thing. He said, for this promise is unto you, those people he's preaching to, and to your children, meaning the next generation, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the only qualifier is, is God calling you? Because if he is, this is what I've got to tell you. Up here, you can't see it. But as many of viewers in this room that have never received the baptism of the Spirit, there's a gift up here for you. And if you could see in the Spirit, it'd be like this beautiful box that on like Christmas morning and you come down, you were five years old, and you knew that that box under that tree was for you. And you raced downstairs at three in the morning and your parents wanted to beat you. And you ran up and you grabbed your box and you tore it open and you found your gift inside. As cool as that gift could have ever been, if you come and receive this gift, it's cooler than anything you've ever experienced. I've had addicts tell me there's no high like this. 
I've had other kinds of addicts say, there's no, there's no experience like this. Because this gift is the one you were made for. It's the one he died to give you. And so, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm not going to put you on the spot. If you want to receive the baptism of the Spirit, all I want you to do today is I want you to just ask the Lord for it. When I pray for you, just say, Lord, just give me the baptism of the Spirit. I ask you for it. And, and if you want to stop there today, you just keep coming back here. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to come up here and, you know, pray the Holy Ghost down on you all crazy or anything. This is your, this is your relationship with God. Amen.